Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1007. Um, if you're going to be in Dallas, Texas, or the surrounding areas, I'll be at the Addison Improv, July 25, 26, 27, uh, doing the stand-up comedy jokes, and then also August 8, 9, 10 at uh, Goodnights in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, ticket links for that should be up at ID10T.com slash tour. Uh, there's other dates being posted in the fall, like in Chicago, for instance, and some other ones. Uh, so go there. Uh, get tickets. Come out to a show. Um, I'll sign stuff. Whatever you want. Like I always say, I don't even care if it's anything that I had anything to do with. <laughs> I'll write my name on whatever you would like me to write my name on. Uh, so that's all that. But let's talk about you, the ID10T community. Uh, on the corkboard, events at ID10T.com, like Michael Rhodes, who writes, I want to tell you about this awesome website I am a part of. It's called Depression Warriors, and it's meant to be a community of people that live with depression and can interact in the forums to help others that may be having a hard time with their depression. The site is founded by a mental health professional who is available to chat inside the forums or through private messaging. Membership is only $12.99 a month, but the first month is only $9.95. This allows you access to the private forums as well as messaging a licensed counselor. The web uh, the website is depression-warriors.com. We're just getting started. There's a ton of content still to come. We're also on Facebook at Depression Warriors AR and Twitter at DEP Warriors. Brandon writes, my friend Robert and Jonathan have made a great podcast about all things geeky and pop culture called Forgot My Dice. And I really want to sing its praises. Mainly focuses on board games and RPGs, but touches on movies, TVs, and uh, TV and books that they have uh, recently consumed or are looking forward to in the near future. They've been doing the podcast for a couple years now uh, and are a great resource for reviews of new indie or Kickstarter board games. They've also had several guests like game designers, fantasy sci-fi writers, voice actors, and industry insiders. They help get the word out for new and upcoming games for developers uh, that get in contact with them or are just generally funny and friendly hosts. For anyone who loves board games and RPGs, this is a great bi-weekly podcast for all your geek news. Thank you so much to the folks who submitted. And uh, events at ID10T.com, again, is uh, how you can get your thing up on the corkboard that you made or someone that you know made or a thing that you just like. This episode is Chris Kattan, uh, SNL alum Chris Kattan, who I've been acquaintanced with for almost two decades. And uh, he's written a book called Baby Don't Hurt Me. It's available now wherever books are sold. Uh, and Catan is a sweetheart of a guy and has such an incredible story that it's so fascinating that he just didn't really feel comfortable sharing until now that he's, uh, he's written this book. But uh, he's a, a good dude who lives a sober lifestyle now and, uh, and 
uh, just has a lot of stories and is a, um, was a really, 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 really fantastic guest. And there was a lot of stuff that we talked about that I didn't know uh, that I hadn't heard of, but just a lot of good nuggets about overcoming things uh, that happen that you have no control over. <laughs> so here's the ID10T podcast number 1007 with Mr. Chris Catan. Initiating ID10T protocol. to see you. It's great to see you. How have you been? I've been well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. th- there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know about. But oh, you are. Are we started? Did we start? Yeah, we started. Oh, we did. Oh, that's so nice. I remember the first time I met you in yes. was an Aspen Comedy Festival in like 2001. Uh-huh. And is uh, that where it was? It was okay. I don't. I didn't. Unless it was so at, like Roundlings or something before that. That must have. It may have been that, but I don't. There was a lot of people in that Aspen event. That was a whole. Uh, what were you there for? Were you doing a show? I was you... probably in two thousand one. Uh, I, I might have been doing stand up. Okay, I was either doing. I was either doing stand up or I was there like with a little comedy movie that I was in. But I I had done stand up at Aspen a handful of times. I uh-huh. just can't remember if that if that was that first time or not. But I I was definitely there. That was such an amazing comedy festival. Yeah, it was. Well, we were there. Or I was there because that was a, a SNL reunion right going on. But it was uh it was like old, you know, Farley was there, you yeah. know, and Mike Myers and uh I remember that's why we were there. And there were other th- I know Tina and Rachel had a show. Oh yeah, yeah, on. yeah, Dratch and Faye. Yeah, Dratch and Faye. Yep. And um but yeah, there was a lot of people. That was my my first uh, event that had anything to do with any alumni of any sort. Oh, really? Regarding, regarding SNL, yeah. Oh my god! So yeah. you didn't? You guys? We were all like, I mean, like Will and I and Molly, and we were all just like, oh my god, look who's here! Like we were just all freaking out. So it was our first time that we ever got to see, you know, previous cast members from the same show. That's insane. You know, before you know, plus I'm- the plus the elevation of it made it even more. <laughs> The elevation of Aspen made it more <laughs> exciting. Just, you, you come into the equation yeah. lightheaded. That's right. Yeah, constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember, like, at that time, I was still drinking, and mm-hmm. uh, it did not take that much. It, it took a couple of drinks where you're like, whoa. Right, exactly, yeah. I don't feel so good. No, right. Yeah, yeah it's not <laughs> good. But it was a – I think at a certain point they realized that it was – so expensive to do the festival up there. Yeah. And HBO used to broadcast those comedy specials That's from up right. there. That's right. You're right. Aspen Comedy Festival. Of but course. then at a certain yeah. point, they were like, yeah, this yeah, just costs too money. Expensive. Yeah, yeah, this doesn't really make yeah, it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to see Nicholson skiing and that. <laughs> Why? Why base it all on that? You know? I was always surprised and delighted by the fact that. You're in this weird mountain retreat mm-hmm. with like million dollar art galleries. <laughs> right. Like, why are you why why would you just go to Aspen? I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna you know what I should do? I should just go I buy don't. a million dollar painting yeah. uh at the same time. <laughs> I know. It's like that or let's go to the island of Capri in Italy. <laughs> just to just to get some uh, linens. <laughs> well, I always found that the 
performing there was really interesting because you had a stratum of you had a strata of three different types of people. You had super rich people, right, who didn't always relate to just to, to normal to normal people. people. Yeah, you had all the people who worked there who mm-hmm. were in service of those really That's rich right. people, yeah, of course. And then you had a layer of entertainment people <laughs> who were sort of naturally like jaded anyway. Right. So it was a kind of a yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you do? Did you perform so there? Or did like, you just do like a like a live? Well, that no, that was just. I don't know what we were doing besides getting together and representing the fact that we're on SNL. I think that's all it was. Oh, I know it was a uh, it was a panel. I mean, it was you a group of us on stage. Uh, was it Charlie Rose? I think maybe Charlie Rose was our uh, moderator. It's oh my god, passive. I don't remember, and I don't remember if I saw. I don't remember if I saw that or not. It was just. It was so long ago now. Oh my yeah, god, it was. A long it was time like ago. eighteen years ago. Yeah, I know. Um, but it. What were the exact years you were on SNL? Uh, 96 through 2003. 96 through 2003. Yeah. yeah. I've always found that SNL has this kind of phenomenon that happens where whatever cast you grew up with, mm-hmm. people always go, that was the best cast. And any right. new cast are like, well, it wasn't like those days. Yeah, Did you yeah. have that experience when you were growing up with SNL? But they were. Uh, You're like, oh, but the new cast is great, but Billy Crystal. You know what I right. mean? Right. I think, uh, well, we, we, no, I don't think anyone thought our cast was the best at the time. Really? No. And we didn't think that either, too. We were very, uh, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I think, I think, uh, it, yeah, it'd be weird to be in a cast thinking we're the best also. <laughs> but we were, uh, no, we were very, we were very green and very, uh, you know, we were really, literally, like, re- not ready for primetime players, which is good, which is benefited, it would benefit our, uh, Way of creating, you know, because uh, we we never got too excited about anything other than what was going on in the show itself. You know, we weren't getting hired, you know, outside of the show that often, you know, and then come back to the show like they do now. Like you could be on SNL now and then you're in a Judd Apatow film the next week. Yeah. You know? Then you're in a Hulu uh, series. Right. Then you come back. Series, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but back then, you know, we were very, you know, so it was very uh, just being on the show was enough, you know, Um but I don't. I think uh, for me, the best cast was the one that I was brought up watching, and that was the uh, was the you know the Dennis Miller, the Dana Carvey one. Mm-hmm. I think the Mike Myers one. That was the one that what I liked the most. You know, that's what I was brought up on. Well, that that was when they first like that whole oh we can spin these into movies. Yes, yeah. Because like, Wayne's World came out of that, right? Then, Wayne's World, you know, yeah, and. I think they did Coneheads during that time, too. Even they did Coneheads around that time, too. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But that was the cast that I, you know, I was really, uh, which which made me want to get on the show. Well, actually, Eddie Murphy was what made me want to get on the show. And that was previous to that. That's what really excited me. Yeah. Mostly. His 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 way of performance. His his his, his confidence and his, uh, he was just so confident. He was like. It was like uh, you couldn't take your eyes off him. It was incredible. Anything it was like he was Amadeus. doing, it was yeah. like Salieri. Yes. It was going through Eddie Murphy or something like this. Boy here sings. Why him? God chose him. Yeah, you can. Was- <laughs> you throw your crucifix on the fire. Exactly. We are enemies right. now. Yeah, that's another level. <laughs> but I mean, it was, he was so amazing to watch. So yeah. that was that was really my influence. And then, but growing up, uh, to see like a, a conglomeration of like people and how they worked together was was that Dana Carvey group and I, Mike Myers and Dennis. And Wall. you were Groundlings, right? Was, yeah, I was. Groundlings. Was your mom yeah. Groundlings? No, my father was Groundlings. Your father was yeah. Groundlings. My mom uh, was a model in the sixties, and she um, 
She came from Hungary, and uh, she uh, she escaped during the Iron Curtain. There's a whole passage in the Baby Don't Hurt Me a book about that. And uh, my uh, dad was um, came from Chicago, and he uh, he wanted to. Uh, he did stand up like in the '60s. He was in a like he was in Jerry Lewis was a teacher of his. Oh my god! And so it was uh, Stan Laurel. He was friends with Stan Laurel, Laurel and Hardy in the Holy '60s. Shit. He has all this great history. But he was uh, one of the founders of the Groundlings. So right. when I was uh, like that's seven, the connection. Yes, yeah, that's yes, the connection. Yes. Uh, and his name is Kip King. They changed it was right, Jerome Catan. They changed it to Kip King for that. I knew. I, I guess. I, oh, you knew that. Somehow that was nice, there was yeah. a blank spot in that. I, I knew he was. I knew someone in your family was right. A foundational member of the Groundlings, but I didn't realize that like foundational meant actually founded. Right. Because that would have been yeah. that first cast. That first cast of the Groundlings was probably like Pat Morita. Yes, it was. Like right. Lorraine that, Newman. Lorraine Newman. And uh, John Paragon and Paul Rubens. Yep. Uh, who did Pee Wee Herman, of course. And uh, Cassandra Peterson, who did uh, uh, Elvira. Mm-hmm. And uh, Phil Hartman. And um, after that was, like, I think, John Lovitz. But my dad left by then. But, you know, and then that's... Uh, well, I, it says in the book, but I don't know if you read it, but I my dad uh, would... You know, take me, uh, would bring me to the shows on the weekend. So I got to see him perform. You know, it was like a seven year old, watch him on stage and to see your father was really cool to do improv with these people. And was he happy that you wanted to pursue comedy or was he like, it's a rough life? He was, uh, well, he was a little bit in that voice too. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, he, he liked it. Yeah. But he, he, uh, he was very, uh, he was, He's very specific in uh, – not that he was teaching me comedy uh, specifically, but he was like – you know, uh, what he was interested in was very specific. It was like, um, you know, there were like – if he introduced me to the Marx Brothers, there were like only three or four of those Marx Brothers movies like Duck Soup and Night of the Opera and Day of the Races and Horse Feathers were the best ones, you know, and don't watch the other ones. So he wasn't like <laughs> teaching me that, but already my taste was going in that direction. Right. For some reason, I, I did, like, Road to Rio and Road to Morocco over Road to Singapore. You know, like, it was very, um, I don't know. It was similar to his taste. You so. were brought up with a basically like a comedy nerd. Yeah, who, who, who comedy nerd. Like, watch but this, but, but with this. good taste. Right, you know, right, 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 like, right. You know, let's watch uh, The Flintstones with, <laughs> with canned laughter. Still holds yeah. up, though. Still holds <laughs> it's up. It's always weird that the Flintstones had canned laughter. You remember that? They had, yeah, like, I know. a laugh track. I think it would have been funny if they had just like, animated <laughs> a live audience in the camp. Yeah, everyone just would make more sense. To their, yeah. to their live audience yeah. cracking up. They didn't, exactly. they didn't do it. Um, but when you – so when you started at the Groundlings, was yeah. the – because, you know, at that time – the comedy landscape was a lot different. Now there's a yeah. million outlets to do stuff. You can just make stuff on social media if you want. But at the right. time, was the path – did you think, well, I just want to do comedy? Or did you think, I want to be in Groundlings, I want to do SNL, I want to do movies? Like, was there a specific pathway that you saw? Yeah, I wanted to uh, be on SNL. That was my dream. <laughs> well, that worked out. Yeah, it did work out, yeah. It was uh, – so it was when I was in the Groundlings – uh, they, they're the best group to teach you how to write too, by the way, for not just sketch, but like, uh, movie scripts too. They really, uh, it's incredible what they do, how they teach you how to write about characters and scenarios and, and, and situations. And, you know, so that, um, they really, uh, you know, it's incredibly educational, but that, yeah, I wanted to be on SNL. So that's why I created, uh, a lot of characters at the growing stage. That ended up being coming on SNL, you know, like Mr. Peepers, mm-hmm. the monkey character, yep. or 
the gibberish guy, Sewell Forrester, who spoke gibberish, and uh, the Roxbury guys with Will. We created those at the Groundlings. So. And was that part of your audition when you auditioned for SNL? Yeah. So the the Mr. Peepers and Sewell Forrester and um, what else? Oh, I just did some guy humping a couch. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't really a character. <laughs> oh, is it? Did I start yeah. the audition? You I know, just, the guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was already humping a couch before I got there. <laughs> and was it? Was it just Lauren sitting in the like in a big space or? for the audition? Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, it was on at home base. You know where we say. Yeah. You know the home base, and uh, so we we're on that stage facing the audience, but there was no audience, and it was. Uh, it was dark. It was pretty much the only light that was coming in was on that stage that you were standing on. And in front of you was, um, uh, not right in front of you, but further away from you was Lauren and supposedly Marcy Klein mm-hmm. and uh, Steve Higgins were there. Yeah. But they were not laughing. Uh, at least they weren't during my audition. Um, but they said they weren't laughing because they were also live uh, via satellite for Burbank for mm-hmm. NBC to watch. Yeah. You know, during the, they were watching the auditions as well. So they... Um, they weren't supposed to be laughing, but that kind of threw you off because, you know, you're used to doing – it's like doing stand-up yeah. and then nobody's going to laugh. It's kind of a little off-putting. It's like trying to surf with no waves. That's – like, yeah, oh, exactly. What am I yeah. To, oh, no, yeah, we're not, like, you're not going to have waves this have time, waves but you today. need to surf. Yeah, but act like you just hit an eight-footer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Wee. I guess in those moments, if you, as long as you're committed to your character yeah. and pretending like it's – it's there, right? Then it probably helps, which is amazing discipline. But you don't, you don't, you weren't, you weren't given a heads up. Yeah, you know that was uh, that wasn't happened. But uh, yeah, so that was that was pretty nerve wracking. The audition, we're all very nervous uh, auditioning. And your, what was your first show like? The first show, um, well, I did not get the um, when I uh, when Will and Sherry got the call to do SNL. Uh, I did not get that call. Because I didn't, um, what happened was I was back in Boston with my girlfriend uh, on a weekend that I, uh, I, I I happened to miss the growling show. And I'm usually uh, there for every show. You don't usually ever miss a show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I happened to be out the weekend that Lauren decided to go to the growling to check us out. And <sighs> I wasn't there. And uh, nobody called me and said, hey, come back to fly out. You might want to be part of the show. And nobody told me that. So um, I'm not blaming Amy, blaming anybody, but no, but that was that was at a time been, where people just left messages for you somewhere. Yeah, and exactly. You had to retrieve your voice messages. That's true. Yeah, no one's gonna text you and be like, "Chris, where are you?" Exactly. There yeah. Wasn't, so yeah, it'd be like the urgency wasn't. Uh, you get my the communication wasn't yeah, there. Well, so yeah, I left. Didn't me you get the carrier pigeon we sent? Yeah, exactly. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't get back to, in time for that show, and so uh, I didn't start the show when Will and Sherry did. And then I started the show like that same season, but six weeks prior to the end of the season, um, which is a weird time to start because right. it's not even mid-season. Right. Um, so when I started, I was um, I, I started when everybody was was uh, you know in the process of the middle of shows, like coming in the middle of a school year, you know, and uh, it's already you know classes already started. So I jumped right in, and uh, the first sketch I did was. Uh, uh, called Substitute Teacher, and it was the gibberish guy, mm-hmm. the Sewell Forrester character that, you know, was like, Good afternoon, I'm Sewell Warner. Going to be your Substitute Nishpa, Miss Asa. And, uh, <laughs> which is fun to write that too, by the way. And um, uh, so I did that sketch, and um, Lauren put it uh, as the first sketch of the night. So uh, I had a great first show. My first show was. 
the first sketch of the night, and uh, it debuted a character. So he um, he totally supported me, and I I did I did well. But I think I also did I did well because I wasn't um, I was just thrown in. I just mm-hmm. started when everybody had already been in the process of doing a season. I mean, you know, it was six shows more, and it would be the end of the season. So right. there was something being. Um, about uh, not uh, having that excitement anymore, you know, because there was no time to be excited about, like, oh, I'm on a new show. Because so you're just fun. dropped in the middle you're of it. You're dropped in the middle of it. You're yeah. like, okay, you're starting now. That's probably good. It, it was good. Because you can't get in your head. That's what I mean. There yeah. was no time to think about it. There was no time to question anything. There was no time to any of that. You were just, like, in there and did it. And uh, that went great for me. That worked perfectly in my favor as a performer. So, I mean, to me, the the great steeplechase of being on SNL, I would guess, yeah. obviously not ever having done it, but but is the internal steeplechase of cuz obviously comedians can be, you know, we can be an insecure bunch, we can yeah. be a very hard on ourselves. Sure. We can be looking for validation in in weird places like, yeah. oh, my sketch was put third and not first or right, this got cut or this. So that you, came later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I had always yeah. heard that Will was good at like if a sketch didn't go well, he'd just go, "Eh, we sure stunk up the joint there, huh?" and then yeah. just move on. Yeah, he yeah. Which seems like the best attitude to He's have. He's very good about that. Were yeah, you yeah, good yeah. at that or did you internalize stuff pretty hard? I internalized stuff pretty hard, uh, but I was also very lucky. I, I I got a lot of my sketches on, you know. I worked hard, and I, I uh, you know, uh, Lauren put a lot of my stuff on, so I didn't really. Uh, I, I mean, I did internalize, but I also uh, because I started a little late. I didn't have time to uh, get to know the writers a lot on the show. You know, and when you start on time like everybody else, you have that time to meet everybody else and, and, and you know, hang out with the writers and, and therefore the writers are going to want to write for you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But because I just was thrown into the lines, or not really the lines, but because I started a little late, that uh, it wasn't um, – I didn't have time to really get to meet anybody. So I ended up um, writing for myself mostly, which is fine because that – helped me get my sketches on because I knew specifically what I wanted to do. Like right. I could decide for myself, like what characters I wanted to uh, debut whatever week I wanted to. So, um, and I had like, quite a few characters I already created at the groundings. So, which it, again, you had sort of envisioned that this was the path that you wanted to take. Right. So you prepared yourself for exactly, it. Yeah. So you were ready when the opportunity presented yeah. itself. Yeah. But I remember at Aspen, I think you were there with Scott Wainio. It's Scott Wainio. And yeah. I was so <laughs> in awe because I I saw a sketch form. Yeah. There was a I think a, a U2 song came on. Uh-huh. Uh and you go, "Oh, this should be a sketch, and it was I like did. like a weatherman sketch. You go, it's a beautiful day, and That's and you so and, and I watched you start pitching. Yeah, but it was so silly, and I watched you <laughs> that start. That is a silly idea. I, I asked you to start. I mean, like I watched you start pitching jokes to him for this thing, and right, I was like, right. oh my god, this is it's happening. I'm watching it happen oh, yeah. right here. So I don't know if that sketch ever. I don't know if you ever developed that into like YouTube yeah. weatherman, the Bono, the Bono, Bono weatherman. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's but, pretty funny. But it, but it was really fun to <laughs> to just see it. Like, to see it happen in real time was really fun. I think, uh, well, the elevation, again. (laughs) (laughs) That'll really happen in Aspen. What did I say when I was up (laughs) there? I don't know. So many great ideas. I got to go back there. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no, that, uh, yeah, I mean, when you're in the thick of it, you know, and you're around the right people, 
you're always riffing, you know, you're constantly riffing and, and, uh, it's that other part of your brain that just likes to think on your feet and not really get lost in the conversation. Right. You're like constantly, you're riffing, you know, which is hard for other people that have normal conversations to jump into. Yeah. And it only works with other comedians usually, you know, that can just keep up with you. Well, SNL is still one of the few platforms yeah. where you can go from being someone who's, you know, really funny in your comedy group to yeah. all of a sudden being famous overnight. Everyone yeah. knows your name. True. And that's, I would imagine, pretty mind fucky too, especially back then, just because, you know, like obviously now sketches get passed around online, but right. but in, in the late 90s, the mid to late 90s, viewership numbers for an average television show, like shows that would get canceled 20 years ago would now be on forever with those numbers. Like if a show had like 5 million viewers 20 years ago, it'd get right. canceled. Now it's like that yeah. show's on forever. But right. you, but I would imagine from the time you started appearing on SNL, now it's people are like, oh my God, Chris Kattan, it's Chris Kattan. I mean, yeah. were you prepared for that? Does that fuck with your head? People shouting, you know, mango at you in the streets or do uh, you like that stuff? Oh, I wasn't prepared for that at all. You mean the very beginning when yeah. it started? Yeah. Oh no, it, it was, uh, it was. Do the monkey guy. Yeah, it was fun at first. Yeah, it was very exciting. You know, it's like being, it's like saying somebody loves your haircut in right. a way. I guess that's not a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I love your haircut. Do your do that hair thing. Do that hair thing. Yeah. Um, no, it was it was fantastic because it was like uh, it means it's working. Whatever you're doing, you know, the character you just did uh, is working, and that people like it. It was immediate feedback. You know, it was, you know. And you could relate it to like YouTube as you, you know, and see how many viewers were there. Of course, it was just like two, three people yelling at you on the street. So sure. It's not quite the same amount of viewership. But <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, that was, it was very cool. It was immediate. Uh, and of course, being a, you know, kind of an insecure comedian, you, you, um, you thrive off of that. You know, you need that feedback or you need that someone to say. They love that character, you know, because you didn't get it from the show. No one's going to say, well, I mean, that's not true. Some supportive people would do that. Some other writers, cast members would say, hey, that was great. But right. the person that really mattered was Lauren. You know, you right. wanted feedback from him the most. And he wasn't going to give that to you yet. You right. Know, for a while, you know. Well, I, this might be a weird question, but I just it, I, I'm really interested in the idea of <clears throat> not just achieving, quote unquote, success, but maintaining it. Yeah. And when it kind of goes sideways for mm-hmm. people, because we always, when we're young, we always have things that we think, if I get this thing, then I will feel whole, I will feel validated. Right. Then you start to get those things. And like you said, in the immediate moment, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. I think I'm f- fixed or whatever. Yeah. And then, but it never lasts. Right. And then it's, you know, do you think that success and fame, uh, like w- the, the sort of dangerous addiction of that stuff or how it fucks with your head or how, like you said, oh, that came later, like the way mm-hmm. insecurity stuff, that came later. Mm-hmm. Like what, is there a sort of a cautionary tale or what was your experience with that as, you know, as you spent seven years on the, the show, your kind of growth period? Uh, well, I was, let's see, I was insecure at first. Uh, I, I, it got, I guess, let's see, I'm trying to think about that. Um, I was stable. Well, no, I, I guess, I don't know. I think when you get used to somebody on the street, like, acknowledging you, you know, and your characters, then you're like, okay, that's immediate validation. And then you hope for that the next time you do another character. And if you don't get that, then you get insecure. 
And um, it's hard. You you want to find. Well, I got a lot of feedback. Actually, you know what? My relationship with my dad. He he was there. He was always there watching. He gave me feedback. You know, he would always give me feedback after every show. Was that so good that was or was it like? No, it was good. Oh, good, good, he good, was good, 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 good. No, it was okay, good feedback. Good. He wasn't like, oh, you should have. Yeah, you could have. Yeah. He was actually not good in the sense that he was always everything is wonderful. He's like, oh, it was wonderful. And everything was almost too good. Yeah. And I wanted more criticism, actually. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. So I wanted a little bit more like, well, that not everything is wonderful. It can't be all wonderful. Like, what was wrong with it? So I wanted him to tell me what was wrong with it. And he would tell me what, what I could have improved on. So he became my, my sound base. He became that, you know. So I didn't have to find it too much with other people on SNL as much as I, I thought it would have to, which was healthier. Is, I, it wasn't fair to my dad, but I think he enjoyed it. Well, I, I, cause I, you know, from what I understand now, cause especially, you know, what you talk about in the book yeah. is when you severely injure yourself in a sketch yeah. and are afraid to tell anyone about it. Yeah. I feel like that might be the downside of wanting to protect success because yes. you are sacrificing your, <laughs> literally sacrificing your health and well being. Yeah. Cause you don't want to cause no. a ripple and disturb the thing that you've built. Right. That's correct. Yeah. I did not want to uh, affect what I've worked on so hard, you know, and, and work for. And, you know, I was at a really solid place on the show and, and um, you didn't want to be taken out of the game. You know, you didn't want any. Even for a minute. Well, I didn't even know. It didn't feel like it could be taken out for a minute. It felt serious. Right. It felt like this is serious. And when I went to the doctor, went to Lauren's doctor and, 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 uh, He's the one that first diagnosed me, and he was like, you need to have surgery. And and I was like, that's obviously going to take time, and uh, therefore I'm going to have to put it off. And if I bitch about this, you know, injury, then people are going to say maybe you should not be in the show this weekend, you know. And right. I do not want to be taken out, like, for weeks. I mean, you know, I mean, like any other fan that's watching the show will be like, where is that guy? You know, and I didn't want people to not just – people in the cast to uh, to to judge me for that because they wouldn't they really wouldn't uh they wouldn't protect you you know people weren't going to be like oh we'll make sure you're okay when you come back and write for you and stuff like that you right. know it was, a, it was competitive but a healthy competitive way you know right but uh you couldn't rely on that you know exactly you know it was it was really up to you to rely on yourself so when you're taken out of the game you just didn't know and you didn't know how the public would react to i mean what would they say would they say like oh you're now disabled and you're unable to be funny now or especially when because i didn't know when your whole thing is that you're the most physical comedian on right. the show at the time all of your characters are so physical yeah that's true too yeah i mean it's almost like a piano player who breaks a hand yeah it's like oh, oh yeah it was not you know and they were like I mean, I didn't do some of the physical characters as much as I did during that time, uh, but I did do like there were, I remember this one Mr. Peeper sketch I did with uh, Cameron Diaz, and like my uh, the left side of my body was, or especially my arm was all atrophied. It was like half the size of my right arm, and I'm left-handed. And uh, when I was watching the blocking tape afterwards, I saw that you know my left arm was appearing more than my right when I was holding on to Will when I was entering the stage, and I was thinking, how can I? Can I switch sides as I enter? Because I wanted to hide it so bad, you know? And, uh, you know, I just did not want it to be... I just didn't want to be judged. I didn't want to be 
criticized or I didn't want anyone to go like, what's wrong with that person, you know, and just taken out of the game publicly or or uh, or on the show. Right. You know? Well, just for I mean, I, I I'm just in yeah. case people don't know. Sure. In 2001, you're in a Golden Girl sketch. I think you were playing right. Sophia, maybe. I think so. And I don't know. What's you were all what? sitting around a round table. Yeah. And you do a pratfall. You lean right. back in your chair. Yeah. And the impact. I throw your, myself back. You throw yeah. yourself sure, back. Sure. And the yeah. impact of the frame of the chair. Right. Snap cracks your spine yeah well my neck uh my neck kind of uh went back or did one of those million dollar live on television live on television on the on the top of the chair uh the the frame the top frame of the chair and so uh that's where it kind of went back and snapped i guess and um yeah and so i got up uh you know i wasn't like laying down like oh my god i'm paralyzed because it was um you know, I was just pumped full of adrenaline. I was like, you know, still going, but it didn't feel right. It didn't feel good. It was painful, but it wasn't like debilitating. Like I can't move. I'm paralyzed. Anything like that until like maybe three or four days later. I think it was like that. It was a few days later where I just was on a, a date and I lift my arm up over uh, like a whatever. I put my arm up over. You can't see this, obviously, everybody. <laughs> He's putting his arm <laughs> over I, a chair. I put my arm up as if I'm putting it over yeah. the chair, yeah. I guess. And that, whatever that did was uh, made this, this it, it just really was insanely painful. Like, I was like, oh my God, I can't, something's wrong. Like, really wrong in my neck. Something's wrong. And uh, it just like it was a feeling of like all the blood got cut off in my arm. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden now my fingers were getting numb and like it just got worse. And um, that's when I knew there was something wrong with me. But I thought I was just hoping that the pain would go away. I thought like, oh, I hurt myself like a bruise or something, right. you know. I mean, it was obviously a lot more intense. But, you know, I just never uh, – I never hurt myself like that before. So when you have a new injury or a new level of pain, you don't know what to make of it, you know, no matter how painful it is, you know. But it wasn't, you know, you know, so I, I was trying to hide it as much as I could. And I did. I, I hid it for a long time, you know. Well, when was so. the first surgery? Did you, you, the first surgery was after that season. Right, immediately after yeah. that season. Yeah, exactly. And did they, what, what, did they put a pin in your spine or did they, they try did, to fuse the... They did, they try to fuse it and they called it non-invasive, which is weird because it is invasive. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if someone is touching well, your spine like, bones... Yeah. Well, I didn't want – well, the, fir- the first doctor that diagnosed me in New York, Lauren's doctor, was like, you know, you need to uh, have surgery. And I was like, what does that mean? Are you going to put like a car part in my back? Because I was like freaking out about that. And he's like, yeah, you're going to have to put a plate in there. And I didn't want to do that. So I I found uh, a surgeon uh, in – I think it was Calabasas and uh, to go to after the end of the season that I would go to that did non-invasive surgery. Mm-hmm. But that's still invasive, like I said. But it, he wouldn't put anything in there. Sure. But he would do fusion. So right. that's what he did. But the only problem with that was that, you know, it wasn't going to be – they would say like it would be 80 percent better, which means you might have to do it again. Right. Possibly. But you may not have to regarding your physical therapy. So I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to have to because I did non-invasive. I'll get away with this. You know, this will be enough for me. You know, I could deal with a little bit of the pain, but it was like it did not happen that way. It was not – it was just too painful. It just – that 20% or whatever, that amount of – it just was It just was still painful. And the atrophy was still there. 
And you for know. the next season, so if this happened, you know, that you finish it around May, you don't go back till like September, October. Right. Was, uh, did that affect going forward? Were you afraid to say like, oh, I kind of should probably just do these kind of sketches? And no, I was sketches. like, I'm ready. I'm fine. You know, and just kind of went with it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm sure there's athletes that have done that before. Of I mean, course. I mean, I'm certainly not an athlete, but I'm sure many athletes have. You're a comedy athlete. Have, like a comedy athlete, sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, thank you, I guess. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's like if you, you're in the game and you got an injury, you're just going to – you're not going to bitch about it. Like if you just had surgery and like, like oh, my God, it's hurting again. You right. know, you're not going to be that person. Right. You're going to keep going until, you know, you're you're thrown unconscious and you're now you really end up in the hospital or whatever, you know. Because you, you probably think be, like you got to push through. You yeah, you exactly. You have to push through it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and you do not – and I was never that kid – that was a whiner or the boy who cried wolf. I mean, I was growing up like, if you have something to whine about, it better be serious, you know. The walk it off generation. Yeah. And my dad yeah. was a big hypochondriac and he was like, you know, a victim. He played that kind of thing. And I did not want to be that person, you know. So I much prefer, you know, bleeding than bitching about it. Well, <laughs> and know? also, <clears throat> I wonder if maybe that's why it took you so long to tell this the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. Well, because that was why I didn't want to be I wanted to keep working, you know, and and um, I think a lot of people have that story. A lot of people are the same way. They don't really reveal what was really going on until way later because they don't want their work or the relationship or anything like that. What's going on in the present to be affected. Right. You know? uh, even though it's probably the he- healthier thing to do to say it and admit it, you know. Well, it also doesn't mean – like even if you do say it a minute, you also – you're probably afraid that you don't have any guarantees how people are going to react. Well, or, that's that's part of yeah, it too. Yeah, they're, you either, know. they're either going to go, oh my that's god, I'm so sorry thing. or they're going to go, who cares or yeah. oh, that's well, – you're on. making more of it than it is or whatever. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's just – it's not worth it you know. at first. It's just not worth it. you know. It's I, like being in a – I don't know, a relationship where you're in love with someone and you find out that you're not uh, – <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've been in love before where I'd, I think I, I don't fake something, but I I try to like push off letting the other person know something. Because <laughs> you just you don't want to like, deal, you just don't want to deal with what that entails. Yeah, because it's, it's working so well at the time and you worked so right. hard for it to work yeah. so well and it's like, I don't want to mess this up. But it's everyone going experiences so well. that with a, with a relationship or a job. Yeah. Or, and you hope it goes away. You're like, oh, right. it'll go away. Or something with a family member. It's exactly. like, well, I'll yeah. keep making exceptions. I'll keep going away. But right. eventually, a lot of the time, it just tips. It, well, yeah. And it, you can't deal with it anymore. Maturity, you find that out. You know, <laughs> age, you find that out or just being... Finding out that, you know, taking care of yourself is very important. It's like, do you want to deal with the leaky faucet now or do you ignore it and then your pipes explode and then it's like, oh, okay, now I have a a real problem. And when you're in your 20s, you know, you think that way too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You you don't fully realize all the consequences, you know, you just kind of go, oh, I guess I'll probably work out. Yeah. How many surgeries did you have total? I had five. Jesus Christ. Yeah, all together. Are you done with them now? Well, I I have a... I would like to say that. I mean, I, I have to do physical therapy, which is fine, you know, and um, that prevents me from having any other future injuries. And uh, I'm certainly in better shape than I have been before in regards to, uh, you know, that injury. Um, but I had a lot of a lot of work done, so I have to keep doing physical therapy. And But there are times, you know, I'll feel, you know, if I tense up or if I, you know, 
everybody has their pain somewhere, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people get on their shoulders, the back. I always get in the same place, which is right uh, on the left of my neck, you know, between my shoulder blade and my neck where the injury was. I mean, it's always there, regardless of the surgeries I've had. It's just still there uh, when I get, you know, anxious or whatever, that kind of thing. It just shows up. I know there is a uh, screw loose somewhere uh, in my neck, but they said that that's normal, <laughs> which is weird. They said, like, think of it of uh, one of those things where you're you're painting the side of a building. Scaffolding? A scaffolding. Yeah. Think of it of a scaffolding that needs to stay there and then eventually fall apart. Well, I don't know if I want to think of it that I, way. I, <laughs> I know. So that's what they were yeah, saying like that, but... Um, Anyway, I'm never going to be 100% again. You know, they said that from the beginning. And there are certain things I can't do. You know, I can't, like, change a light bulb over my head. Right. I can't go skiing. Not yeah. that I'm a big skier. Right. Uh, um, parachuting, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Parasailing. You know, you're fine. You're fine. You'll be fine. You're fine with that. Right. Part. But, um, you know, I can't. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an injury. And that it's affected my life. And, uh, and uh, I th- how, do you, how do you live with, the, like, when you kind of have this baseline of pain? Right. And I'm sure you want to, f- you know, there are times when you go, well, how do I just not feel this anymore? Right. But then you're still, you still get up every day. You put one foot in front of the other. Oh, yeah. You live your life. Wow. You do. Is it is it sort of just living one day at a time in the present moment to moment? Or how do you... How do you make peace with that, you know, on the in the times when it feels overwhelming? You just... I mean, that's the same thing about, like, the same way you deal with depression, I think, or deal with unhappiness or, or things you want to avoid in life. You know, you just wake up and you 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 put on one sock and then the other and you just go outside and then you're like, there's the sunlight and there's my friends and, you know, things that are making it worth it. You know, the other parts of, you know, because you could, you could spend days and whatever in bed and just sulking about it, you know. And uh, and the pain, you know, it'll always be there. Whether you're lying in bed and and being the victim, or you're being active and 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 uh, being social, you know, it'll always be there. But it's worth it to be more social and be around people that love you and 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 that and being the victim in bed, you know. And and at any point, you don't want to talk about any of this. Sure. I just assume That's you right. do because it's in the. I know you yeah, yeah, yeah. in the book, fine, and I just kind of want to give people yeah. the idea because I know also right. that. Um, you uh, struggle with addiction to the pain pills too, sure. which is yeah. entirely understandable. Right. Well, I'm clean, of course, clean now. Now you're clean now, have, yeah. but at the time, yeah. But at the time, yeah. Because you're again probably just like athletes who are like put more cortisone in there, just numb yeah. the pain, so I can get through what I want to do. Of course, what I need, what I feel like I need yeah. to do. You know, did did you did you sense that that was happening, or did you wake up one day and go, "Oh, I think I might have a problem with this stuff well i didn't think uh I didn't really have the problem to like the to like the last surgery honestly, I was very good about um uh not you know because they give you for you know phys- for um post op uh they uh you know you're supposed to take uh, a number of uh, well, they have like morphine patches they give you. And you put mm-hmm. patches on your back and your neck, and um, and they uh, I forgot what kind of. I guess it, it must have been oxycodone. I think they gave you oxycodone. It was like the highest level of, you know, because you're on a morphine drip. You're in the hospital, so once you get out of the hospital, you're on pretty much what you're taking while you're in the hospital. But you're getting off of that slowly at home, you know. 
and you're in a neck brace and and you're you're bedridden for probably about at least a month and a half, maybe two months. And uh, that's the worst too, by the way. That's just awful <laughs> to sit with your thoughts and not be physical. And also and not move. be able to, yeah, not oh, be able to move, so not bad. be able to distract yourself at that point. No. We don't have smartphones. Terrible. Oh, I, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Didn't have smartphones either. So it's like you can't, you, as right. much as you want to distract yourself at any minute, you're just, yeah. just lying there. It was awful. Yeah, it was so, it's so terrible. Um, did, uh, did, and, and are you... Are you having to navigate all of the – because in as much as you can try to run away from things, you can try to distract yourself. Right. Sort of like we were talking about with the plumbing issue. At a certain point, you do have to deal with stuff. Emotionally, you do have to process yeah. those things. Yeah, so yeah. at a certain point, did you have to start getting through that or did you – were you just like, yeah, I don't want to feel any pain, so I'm just going to take another thing? Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, well, that um, – yeah, I didn't want to feel it. I think I was kind of like giving up a little bit. You know, giving up and because uh, I just didn't, uh, I wasn't working uh, so much, and I was like, uh, I felt like the damage was done. You know, this was post SNL. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is, yeah, no, because I didn't get on, uh, uh, do, uh, you know, the pill stuff till way later, uh, maybe like six years ago, probably mm-hmm. um, when I had my last surgery, before, maybe five years, about six years ago, and um, and that's when. Um, yeah, I just kept, uh, I just continued doing the pills because it was like I didn't, I just kind of gave up, you know, I just gave up caring, you know, I was like, you know, I don't know, I guess I'm just going to be this person that's, you know, in pain and uh, physically, you know, unable to do what I used to do, you know, and um, I bought into that, you know, and that that's what that you know being being addicted uh, you know you kind of buy into that as well it helps you buy into all the negativity and all this because self-doubt. it helps justify why you're giving up so it's helping you justify the pattern yeah, yeah yeah it does yeah and it makes you never it makes you not break out of the pattern obviously it makes you stay in the pattern and and it's it's a very sick place obviously you know because you can just end up there for the rest of your life you know and I saw that with my dad too a bit. He was very uh I, I, he wasn't I don't think he had a problem with pills, but he had uh he he really bought bought into ailments, you know. He would love any reason to go to the doctor, mm-hmm. you know, and and just love the fact that he had something to bitch about <laughs> and uh for other people to give him sympathy right. about, you know. And I was so not I just never wanted to be that person and when I got to be more of that person, be that be that person because it was really happening because I was really having these surgeries. It was just, it was really, I just, I gave up, you know. I really gave up. I was just like, that's it. Were you able you know, to start? I'm going to be an example. I'm going to be like a, something referred to as like, that's really so sad about Chris. Like, too bad about Catan. Like, oh, that's so tragic, you know. What and, a tragedy. And you, and you were, you were kind of helping to buy into that. For exactly. Yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause it was up to me to stop it. And I did, you know, I stopped being an addict and I, and I, and I, you know, went to rehab and I, and I, you know, realized, uh, you know, all the other, the great, wonderful things in life that you, that you, uh, that keep you, keep you sober, you know, and, you know, from every day, every day, every day, day to day. And, and, um, 
But it's hard, as you know, to to get out of that. You know, of course, because it's, it's hard. Terrible. It's hard to see it when it's you're a pattern, in it. and 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 then and especially when you have a, a, a physical ailment that that needs that. That's right. really hard, you know, because it wasn't recreational for me. Right. It was like it was actually something my body needed at the time. And then I didn't need to, but you didn't want it to rely on anything anymore. Uh, that was just—it was really hard, you know, to have a real something really painful to to not uh, not be rewarded, you right. know, right? To not get that reward, uh, but to really like, but but when you really built that muscle and you really built, uh, you know, you really do the physical therapy. As painful as it was, when that blood starts flowing again, you're in your arm and you feel it at your fingertips and your toes, you know, it feels amazing. You feel alive again, you know, and that did come back, you know, and it has come back. So that, that's amazing. That feels like you're back again, you know, and it's nothing better than that. But also know? there's, there's that part I'm sure because as entertainers, and I don't think it's just in the entertainment business, yeah. but you so much attach your accomplishments to who you are. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and I think, you know, as you get older, whether or not you go through stuff that kind of rips you away from that, yeah. you, you have to start to realize like, oh, I'm not my accomplishments or I'm not like, that's right. not my identity. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm, I'm wondering, you know, cause you said, oh, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the cautionary tale. Am I just this guy now? Exactly. Oh, he had this career and now yeah. he's, you know, oh, it's so sad. And so when, when did, when did you start going, when did, were you start able to say, oh, well that's. That's something that I did, but it's not me, and I'm not like whether or not I'm performing on a live television show every week does not make me a better or worse person. Right. I I have value because I'm mm. uh, because I am a person who is a part of you know humanity, and there are things that I can appreciate and things that I can do, and I don't yeah. need that stuff to tell me that I'm worth anything. How do yeah. you, How do you? How did you how come did out of I that to find that? your worth? Uh, well, <laughs> I guess that was. Couple of years ago, probably, you know, my father passed away, and, and when he passed away, that was, uh, I that was part of it. I to to see that too, because he really didn't take care of himself. You know, he really uh, a lot of what a lot of the most of the reasons why he passed away were ailments that really uh, were things that he could have taken care of. You know, just he never exercised. He never. You know, well, his he did exercise, but his his way of exercising was even though charming. He'd be like, "Well, I walked around the block, you know, or <laughs> I went swimming," and it's really he just dog paddled, or, you know. <laughs> but um, you know, eventually it wasn't, you know, it didn't help him. But I, I you know, that just really, uh, I, I saw that, you know, how how uh, valuable those years are that you can have, like you could really, you really can. Um, add a lot of life to your to the years you're you know enjoying by taking care of yourself you know physically of course and but mentally and just not being the victim and, right. and doing that my dad really just went down that way you know it was really unfortunate you know i think he loved more than anything to be on a on a he did there was this is weird he did uh there was an improv he did it in the growlings a long time ago when i was a kid and uh, the it was a uh, it was a improv class, and Gary Austin was the director or the teacher, and he said, uh, "Okay, Kip, you're going to be on your deathbed, and um, uh, in a hospital, and all the other cast members are going to, uh, everybody else in the in the cast are going to come up and say their goodbyes to you, you know." And he 
I remember him telling me like that was the greatest. <laughs> he had the greatest <laughs> time. That was one of the greatest moments of his life. To uh, pretend he was dying a and to have that just so was in the square. In he the loved center it. Of what he had. I thought that was so weird. I thought that was so weird and so like I would never. How would you enjoy like lying down and having people come to you? But that was his thing. So that was, I was that like, was his that was his pre-social media version oh of getting God. likes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way. Like, who would come visit me on my deathbed if I were dead? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so fucked it's up. It's so fucked up. So that was like, yeah. <laughs> so that snapped you out of it. and then- that, 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 Yeah, that really helped me snap, snap out of it. But but also, yeah, the, the pain itself for me, you know. And that, you know, I'm not, I wasn't, I was, I was married. I'm not married now. And then. That, you know, I'd like to get married again and then have that life. You know, I'm not that old. and No, not you know, at I'm all. I'm still, you know, I'm 48 and I have, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I think I just, it was a dark time. It was a lot of dark stuff going on. I mean, th- that's what was dark. <laughs> that's what the dark stuff was. It was just the physical, you know. I, I don't know how other people, I mean, when I watch people that really like, uh, have to deal. I mean, my pain was was pretty bad, but there's some people that lose a leg and you know right. that have to like, and they're playing basketball, you know, in a wheelchair. And like that, the the human spirit in those situations is amazing. But I would never. I, I mean, I don't know what I would do if I were. I mean, I would have to find the human spirit if I were in a wheelchair and I, you know, a physical comedian now in a wheelchair would be. I don't know. I, I, I would have to. Honestly, what else would I would have to? Honestly, you know? would figure it out. I would figure it out, I mean, yeah. The, the, but at the time, I gave up, you no, know? I just gave up. I was just like, I mean, imagine Jim Carrey, like, I guess he would figure it out, too. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, but, but I just at the time, it doesn't feel like you're going to I haven't seen it before. It I haven't seen a physical comedian. I mean, even Buster Keaton was like, I got a broken neck. I'm going to keep going, you know? Right. You know? But right. uh, that's that's just how I saw it. Other people, you just keep going. Or you don't, or they, you know, they don't say anything, and then you find out later, like, oh, really? That's what was going on. Well, when you're when you're the young, show must go on. When you're you young, know? you're like Wolverine, so you can throw yourself on the floor. I mean, tapping yeah. Chevy Chase, you can throw yourself on right. the floor a million times because it gets laughs. Sure. And so you're gonna, you know, through this sort of Darwinian natural selection process of mm-hmm. comedy bits. Oh, this works. I should do more of these. Yeah. And then at a certain point, you know, as you know, as you start to get older, just. You know, looking to the left too fast, right. you could right. like you know. So throwing yourself on right. the floor has an effect. It's like wrestlers, like yeah. like the old like the old yeah. wrestlers. You know, it's like oh, they sacrifice good... their yeah they do bodies for entertainment. And yeah. so, what do you what do you do at that point? Right. And, and, but I do think that you would. I do think that you would figure it out because you're yeah I would you're and com- I did because you're still funny. It's like you you know right. how to be funny. Yeah. Exactly. It's just how how can you be fun? You know, like finding out ways to be funny without throwing yourself back in a chair, right? But did you? Yeah. Um, and again, I'm only asking these questions sure. because I if it's largely so that if people are going through stuff, whatever their darkest time is, yeah. Well, that's what I like to, for people to get out of the book. You know, really that, that kind of inspiration that you know the survival of the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was did. Did you have a DUI thing? I, I did, yeah. Yes, yeah. and was that was that because of the pills and because of the st- the? Ad- well, I was actually on on Ambien that night. I wasn't on pills, oh but I God. couldn't walk the straight line because of my I had surgery. Right. So that's what messed me up. You know, they gave me a breathalyzer, which I passed, and I and I, and, but I didn't I didn't walk the straight line. You know, but what's so funny about that night is that I got I I hit this 
park car because uh, I fell asleep. Uh, it wasn't park car. It was one of those whatever city cars on the. It was on the exit ramp. The exit ramp yeah. was blocked off, and I was uh, heading in that direction. I hit the pylons. No, you were on ambient. Did you know you were about to drive, or did you? Did your yeah? Body... It was a, okay. It was a. It was a booty call. Okay. And, and the, and the, and the so you woman. Took the ambient, and someone said, "Come over." Well, I like... was already on ambient. Oh, gotcha. And gotcha. woke me up, and I was like, "Hey, do you want to come over?" And she, you know, I said, "I'm really tired." And she's like, "Well, uh, will you come over here if you want anything?" I'm like, "Well." <laughs> you know, <laughs> really? I, I mean, it wasn't just. Was this pre Uber? Yes, it was. Okay, pre- gotcha. oh, definitely pre Uber. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> now, it would have been a whole right. different story. Oh, Call yeah, no, Uber. of course I would yeah. take an Uber. You know, but um, but when I, I had the accident, uh, there happened to be a, a, a police car just down the way on the freeway, and they pulled somebody over. So I ran over from my car to the policeman and I said, Hey, I just got in a car accident. And then he was like, "Wait, what's going?" Like, but I was never pulled over. Oh, which that's is so interesting. weird. Yeah, I actually volunteered my accident <laughs> and said, "Hey, I just had an accident." Gold star for good. Like, hey, attention. wait a minute. Yeah. And then one of the cops pulled out a uh, his iPhone, started filming me, while the other cop was making me do the line. So then they sold that to TMZ, which is nice. <sighs> so be aware that the policemen do like to film oh my you. Gosh. That- <laughs> And so, Isn't that crazy. No, on so on top of that, oh, yeah. now you're probably dealing with a certain amount of public shaming. Yeah, exactly. On, on yeah. top of that, and right. so is yeah. That, and yet, it, nobody knew about the surgeries yet. And too. at that time, did you feel like saying like hey, I maybe should've... I should tell the story? Now. Yeah. Well, yeah, and of course, yeah. Well, that was previous to even beginning to think of writing a book too, which is what made me want to write the book. Right. Like it's enough. I really have to tell people. Right, what's going on, and I don't ever want a situation like that where they don't know, you know, like you know, that uh, why are you on pain, you know, and if someone were to, were to find out why you're on pain meds after you know you're in the hospital, you may want to tell them that you had surgery because people will just assume know. the shittiest reason about you. Oh yeah, oh he was on the show right. and then he wasn't on the show and so he got addicted. To, it's like right, hey, right. it's not that's not the that's not no, the narrative, right, right. guys. That's not the narrative. Yeah. And that's that's really why <laughs> everyone should write a book. <laughs> really? Well, everyone has a, everyone has a story. And, yeah. Did and you also, write a book? Did you? I did write a book. Yeah, yeah, like Eight years ago, or okay. so, eight or eight or nine years ago. What was it? What was uh, what was your ba- like? What was it you really wanted to let people know? I wanted to let people know because you know it was. I, I decided like rather than just writing an autobiography that it would sort of be an autobiographical self help book. Like here's what uh-huh. I, here. You know, like I kind of pulled myself out of an addiction swamp. Um, oh, so you did write about addiction? I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here, okay. here are things that I did. Right. Here are things that I learned about how, like, if you have an obsessive kind of nerdy brain and you're able to hyper focus on stuff as nerds or addicts are yeah. able to do. Yeah. Here's how you can sort of refocus that in constructive ways, or at least this is what I did. Right. I'm not saying everything's going to work for you. Of course. And, and but right. it, it is because I think, you know. Because being connected to other people, I think, is a large part of what humanity is about. Like, mm-hmm. the purpose of life is life, I think. Yeah. And sharing experiences. And if you, you know, if you go through things or you make mistakes or you learn from stuff or you go through stuff, you know that X number of people are also going through that or worse. Right. And so it, it, it is that sort of like the, the best you can do, not only to make it worth it for yourself, but worth it in the sort of universal sense is like mm-hmm. – you know, you write this book, you tell your story, and a percentage of people who read this book will go, oh, my God, I am – you You may help divert where right. it would have been helpful for you if someone stepped in and said, Chris, yeah. this is a bad path. I'm <laughs> right, going to need right. you to not do this. Right, you right, know, right. Maybe you would have listened, maybe you wouldn't, but at least 
that at least that fork in the road would yeah. have been created, and that's what you do for people. I hope so. Who will go? You know, oh my god, I think I may have lost everything. Yeah. For, you know, something that right. you know wasn't my fault, and I yeah. don't know what to do. And you know, ah, there's hope. Yeah. You know, Catan right. got through it. Who was a physical th- uh, physical comedian and. Was all about how he appeared. You right. Know? It was all about appearance. Yeah. Being on, you know, on Sign of Live. Did it appearance. make you a more open person, a, more open to sharing your life, your experiences, like as they happen, rather than being the opposite of what you said your father yeah. was? Especially when you know it's okay to to tell the truth, you know, tell the truth. And ask for help. Yeah. <laughs> ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were, I mean, you know, and in the book, I talk about it too. There's, there's some relationships where I had to be, uh, I had to ask, like, you know, my girlfriend to, to bathe me, you know, and it was so humiliating. Oh, it's just so, it's so debilitating and it's so humiliating. It's really when you don't think you have help. Right. But, but that was my fault, you know, because I didn't let everyone know, you know. I don't know if it would have been different. Uh, it probably would have been. Very different, but I just didn't want people to know, you know, because I didn't want to be taking. I didn't want anybody's help. I was just like, no, no, I'm fine. I was that no, no, I'm fine guy. Right. Yeah, like, oh no, don't worry about me. You know, right. I'll be all right. That kind of person, which is not. Uh, it's hard to be that person that asks for help. Well, know, do you do? You, are, are you able to not beat yourself up about choices that you made before anymore? Are you able? To? Yeah, I. Okay, yeah, good, now good. I am. Yes. Good. 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 Because yeah. I'm sure. You know, like when- it, it takes a long time to learn how to be a, uh, treat yourself well. You know, mentally and physically. You know, it does. You know, and not beat yourself up about right bad choices or right. You know, making mistakes or you know all that stuff. You know, did you in your mind when you're lying in bed for all those months? What if you and you're sort of replaying the regrets in your head? What are you saying to yourself? Like I should have X, Y, or Z. I should have just taken more time off. I should have done this. I should have done that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I, I should have just been more, well, no, I should have, I should have just said, hey, uh, I should have just been more open about it on, on when it happened on SNL, I think, you know, I should have just been more, you know, I really messed up my, I should have been, I should have called SAG, is what I should have done. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I should have done. But now. I should have called Screen Actors Skill. But, but now because you. <laughs> or after, at the time, sorry. <laughs> I think I broke my neck. Yeah. I did break no, my I, neck. I should have done that. But you just yeah. didn't want to. No, I was like, well, I, I had to tell the producers of SNL, or I told, you know, I told, uh, yeah, I told them and, and I said that, you know, this happened and they said they'll take care of it. And I thought that was enough, you know, and they right. did. They, you know, they did take care of it. Right. So I thought that was fine. But I really didn't want anyone to know. I just did like, not that you would feel judgment from, I can't explain it. Even though like everyone's such a close friend and the cast and the writers are friends, you would still feel just, I mean, at least I would still feel judged, you know, but that's my problem. I don't think I'd. Get judgment. I don't you know. You felt there was no... Like if someone knows you can't do it, you can't do it. You felt there it. was no space to be vulnerable or show... No, no. It wasn't that kind of a place. Right. I mean, I don't I don't think there's a lot of that in comedy in general anyway. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know if it really breeds that, you know. Right. I don't think the industry breeds that either. Well, because really momentum in the business is very you. hard to achieve. Yeah. And when you do... Yeah, yeah. And... You don't want to lose it. Right. And if you do, it's hard to get back. And it's not impossible. You can certainly get it back. But right. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that is completely. Yeah, you don't want to. And that happens still. Like I'm sure, like Adele doesn't tell everyone when she hurts her wrist. And it's not like any. It's not. It's <laughs> no, not like any of those people example. would actively be like, let's shun Chris Kattan. But it's just right. like, oh, but let's not include him in this stuff because yeah, he's exactly. not exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah, you don't want to. That's the biggest fear is like when you work that hard to get there, you don't want to be replaced, you know, and that's it. It's easy to be replaced if that happens. But I hope that um, I hope that you are able to and it sounds like you are that everything that you went through, if you hadn't gone through all of that. Right. I would imagine that through your sobriety now and through the work that you're doing on yourself, would you say that you're experiencing more? Of a centeredness than you have ever experienced oh, yeah, before. For and sure. you, so if you hadn't gone through all of that, yeah. then maybe you would never have experienced this this kind of like connection to life that you feel now. It, yeah, I probably that's probably true, yeah. I mean, yeah, it does take something like that in order to feel I'm not saying centered. that it's good that it happened and I hope that's not too Pollyanna no, 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 approach, not- but it but it also <laughs> you know But you need to go through something like that in order to feel centered. Some people do, at least, you know, if you're, not that I was out of touch, but like that, you know, I do, did need to find uh, some grounding, I think, you know, I think uh, maturity, obviously that's going to mature you, some, that kind of an event. Um, so, I mean, things happen for a reason, for whatever reason, you know. Maybe I needed to slow down. I don't know. <laughs> are you doing stand-up? Are you doing stand-up? I am. Or? I'm still doing stand-up. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. How many shows are you doing a year? Oh, let's see. I don't know. I, it varies. I'll go do like two weekends, maybe every every two months, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. I and are, are the people that are coming to the shows, do they expect to see, do you do characters in the act? Or I, do I do a little bit. Like I'll do, I'll do Mango a little bit, but I'm not going to put on the outfit. You know? Right, 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 right. But they, you know, I think they, uh, some of them already know about the injury, I think. Now they do, but I think some people notice because I'm not like, um, you know, I have a fear of like um, one of the last things I had to get rid of was the idea that I'm a, a bit of a hunchback, you know, because mm-hmm. like I can I, I lean over sometimes. Um, and that's just how uh, my, ba- my back is sometimes, you know, when I'm not thinking about sitting up straight, uh, which I should obviously do more often. Um, but I think that people – and people have like after the show will say like, hey, is your back okay? And you know because you look like you're – because my mobility is a little restricted. I can't yeah. – you know, just a little bit. It's not like – I can still bop my head and do stuff like that like Roxbury guys. But I can't – So there's a sense of uh, – I'm not as agile as I used to be. Yeah, those questions you know? never help. I mean I know people are trying to show concern, <laughs> yeah. but it does just sort of poke. Or they're like, hey, uh, yeah, are you okay? Or they hand you a chiropractor card, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, because basically hey, they're saying like, what's wrong with you? Exactly. And why? You don't want that. Why is something wrong with you? You're like, watching the show. Like, hey, just, uh, yeah, can we just like sort of focus Bruce on? Springsteen is one. Like, hey, uh, I love your performance. Here's a chiropractor <laughs> card. Uh, <laughs> I saw a little uh, – it looked like your hand didn't work so well up there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like when people tell you, uh, hey, man, you look tired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, my Why God. Why is that helpful? Uh, How's that helpful? Worse. I know I'm tired. tired. Why is that helpful? You look tired. Oh, mm. I'm just telling you because I care. No, oh, please. Oh, that's the worst. What a rude <laughs> comment. In parentheses. You look like hey, shit. Are you yeah, okay? I get it. Yeah. 
Are you sure you're okay? I'm just showing concern. I didn't ask. Yeah. Please. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm just self-conscious about it. Please just. Right. I don't want to. Please just say, hey, thanks. Yeah. Thanks very much. I had a good time. I had a good time on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So what, like, what, what direction, like, how has your comedy evolved uh, in the last few years? Mm. Like, what what types of things are you writing? Are you you just story-based? Is it more joke-based? It's, uh, it's more story-based. Yeah. It's more story based. I was never really a. I found myself being. I, I mean, I didn't do stand up until after, you know, after SNL. So I, I didn't start doing. You know, I was doing sketch and yeah. improv. That's where I started. So. I mean, I remember seeing you at a show like I don't know, eight or nine years ago, maybe almost yeah. ten years ago. It's just like an alternative show, like at an art gallery or something. Well, what was it? Stand up? Yeah, it was stand up show. Oh, yeah, God. it was. It was stand up okay. show. Okay, I wasn't very good. I'm sure I wasn't good. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember because I the, hope you don't remember <laughs> because the the comedians were held separately from the showroom. Oh, so you couldn't see. Like the comedians the were – like the green room was like in okay. a different – it was a gallery so they had had the – Was comedi- this in Chicago or No, something? it was in L.A. Oh, OK, OK. So the comedians like you couldn't see or hear the show because it was – it was in a different – you were – we were kept in a different room. Oh, good. OK. Yeah. So I don't, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> – You I don't, don't know, know how I did. I don't okay. know what anybody else did during the during. Were you performing? Show. I did, yeah. And I, I performed? Was, you were also performing, yeah. What this was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was it like a benefit or something? Probably. Might have been, might have been. Yeah, but okay. but 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 you know, just because there were so many alternative shows in Los Angeles, it's like right. You know, there was a show at a laundromat, there was a show at a gallery, yeah. Was, there you know, were like, we yeah. Did shows at a comic book shop, Trigger Joe's, and, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. exactly. It was just <laughs> right <laughs> over in the produce section. You're just telling <laughs> jokes and handing people yeah. jokes. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> uh, and, and is the stand up is it fulfilling? Like, does it does it feel like oh, this is kind of like a, a, a different? Because I'm always fascinated by people who come from a team comedy background mm-hmm. to then just solo. Yeah. It's fulfilling. I mean, it's not nearly as fulfilling for me as as it is doing sketch comedy, though. Or yeah. doing film or, you know, doing, um, you know. I, I, I like it a lot. I, I really enjoy it. But my, uh, I'm better, I think I'm just better off. I, I think I'm not better off. I think I'm better at doing stuff with people. I'm better at my gift is more with sketch comedy and 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 uh, and uh, you know doing situation comedy or you know doing a sitcom or in a film or you know I'm, I think I'm better that way. Playing, do you, do you playing, have a spot at playing the a role as opposed to delivering jokes? I think right, I'm better, right, right. Yeah, better doing characters and, and performing and acting. Can you drop in on the Groundlings when you yeah. feel like it? I haven't done that in a while though. Yeah, I don't I think know. I can. I mean, I got to call somebody and say, can I be the guest in the Thursday night improv show? Yeah. Have you thought about touring with a couple of the SNL writers, a couple of the old SNL folks, like just touring like a, a few people sketch or improv? Show? I don't know how that would work. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know. You know, I mean, they would be, I don't know. See, again, I'm probably like fearful of like, <laughs> uh, they're too busy. <laughs> I don't know if you don't uh, ask. I just sort of think you know, yeah. like if you if you like doing sketch, there must be a way for you to yeah, take more I never, sketch on the road. I, well, I have to figure out a way to do more sketch with my stand up. You know, I don't know how to. That's what I got to figure out. You should. Well, I'm not. Oh, wait, I don't mean, what? I don't mean you should. Sure, I, I, just, I will. Um, Billy Crystal had a stand up special in the eighties. Right, it was all sketch characters. They were all sketches. Oh, okay, and right. And he worked with and Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg too. Right. Um, oh yeah, I remember her woman. But uh, woman B- but show, Billy's yeah. was you know like he did a lot of uh, 
uh, stuff with like like working off pre-recorded stuff, like right. audio stuff. And I saw Johnny Carson in the seventies when I was a kid. My right, parents took me to see him in Vegas. Wow. And he was not a stand-up per se, but he did some sketches yeah. where there was like a pre-recorded thing that he was playing off of. I don't know. I just wow. I, I feel like and please no. tell me to shut up. But no, I, I'm not. But, going but I just to. it seems like there's a way to. Feels like there's a way to slide more of that in your act that might be yeah. more a little more fulfilling to that's you. That's a good if, idea. If, if you wanted to, no, I think that's that's what I would like to do. Something like that is a good idea. Yeah. Do you like improv or just? Yeah, music? I do. Yeah. I, I do enjoy improv. Yeah. Yeah. I don't what about know. you? I mean, I, I you were more stand up. I'm mean, more stand up. I tried to do yeah. Groundlings for a while, and I were you in the cl- uh, classes? I or? started taking the classes, and then they, um, I did one of those uh, Thursday night gas shows. Yeah. Where they have a guest come in, probably what you were talking about too, where you have a guest come in and right. you're sort of the guest. Mm-hmm. Cooking with gas. Cooking with gas, called, yeah. yeah. And um, Karen Mariyama, right. I was working Mariyama. on something She's with her, so she once. brought me in. Yeah. And they let me just continue doing the gas shows. Right. Which the gas shows typically are for people who are waiting to go between like level three and four, I think. Or there think are people who right. are waiting to get into you mean the, the cast, company. Uh, Growling's cast members? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. And right. so it's a, it's a much. Higher level than I probably should have been allowed in, right? <laughs> and I realized, like, I like my I love riffing, but mm-hmm. my the structure of the way I write, I I'm the opposite of you. I don't necessarily like being characters. I like being me, mm-hmm. and I like being responsible for everything myself, That's which is not good yeah. if you need if you need to be a part of a team, <laughs> right? Right. And so, which is probably why you're better stand up than that. I mean, not that you're not. You can always tell a stand-up well, you, in an improv scene because they'll come in and go, oh, um, I'm an astronaut and that guy over there uh, oh, works in a bakery. <laughs> I mean, th- th- it's, it's fighting the urge right. to control the scene with jokes. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's – I just – I'm more of a stand-up. Right, right, right. Well, as you know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. even if you're a good riffer, mm-hmm. when you start like getting into the rules of improv, you realize like, oh, it turns out – I don't know anything about him, like the way that improv is supposed to be done. Right, right, right. Because uh, it's different than just riffing jokes in a room with other comedians. Yeah, you are in control. You like to be in more control, then. I, guess, I think so, right? just because I, I just like, I just like the idea of uh, knowing where stuff is going to go. Yeah, and being able to break the fourth wall, yeah. being able to fall back on jokes if I need to. Right, and um, you know. I think improv is a good skill that everyone, every performer should learn how to cultivate. Yeah. It, I mean, some people did, are just naturally better at it. It helped you, regardless, though. I mean, improvisation. A million yeah. percent. In writing as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, are there still, were there any sketches? Did you ever think about pulling out sketches that maybe didn't make it on SNL that you could pull it out, drop on the road? Like, hey, this is a sketch that never, that we almost did but didn't do. Like, I never thought about that. Yeah, I guess I could. I mean, I had a character called the coffee guy. <laughs> just drank a lot of coffee. <laughs> he looked like he was all drugged out, but he was just drinking coffee from a coffee uh, pitcher. I don't know. There's something in there's there, man. Of, there's a lot of characters I did. I mean, uh, I had growlings that were... Oh, I did a lot of children. I remember Karen Mariamis told me like, not do children. Don't do children. I remember doing a sketch where I, had, I was a little kid urinating. And I had a little squeezy bottle, like a little... <laughs> You know, you don't face the audience and you pee on the wall. I don't know. That was that was a character. <laughs> that was one character. Just try it. Maybe just, I'll just, just pretend I'm peeing in my stand-up and I'm not. It's just a squeezy bottle. Yeah. That's my character. Or just pee all over the stage and then spike the microphone yeah. and walk off stage. How was the show? It was like four minutes long and he pissed on four stage and the microphone down. 
People are like, oh my god, I gotta see this guy. Yeah, I really gotta see this guy. Yeah, exactly. So what's like, you know, to to sort of wrap this up on a forward-thinking, positive, happy, (laughs) or we could end it on something very negative. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just end it on something very depressing. If you don't mind. <laughs> In the end, I realize nothing means anything anyway. Okay, thanks, everyone. It was really great to right, be here. Right. It was really great <laughs> to be here. But, I mean, you know, in general, you said you're feeling better. In general, yeah, you said oh you, my God, you, yeah. you and, and And kind of talking about this must have dislodged some sure. stuff for you as well. Oh, yeah. It was very cathartic and, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it was a great deal. I don't have to talk about myself so much anymore, too. You're kind of like, after writing something like that, you're like, you don't need to... Uh, you're kind of bored with your past. Right. You know, you don't really need to bring it up again. That's really significant. I think that's a good thing, though, right? It's an you incredibly don't... good thing because you can't – I feel like a lot of our adult lives is so much about being imprisoned by the things that True. we feel bad about yeah. when we're younger. And at a certain point, you're either forced to let go or right. you just have to decide to, let, exactly, it, to yeah. let it go. Yeah. And there's something about putting it all on paper and having other people read it that they know now if they choose to know. That you can only uh, talk about stuff that's in the present or in the future, really. What are you excited about right now? Like, what are you? <laughs> what kind of gets you going? Oh, uh, the new Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> at Disneyland or no, the, the new Star Wars movie? Uh, the movie, but yeah. Uh, what gets me going? Uh, well, you know, I'm excited about being. I don't know. Just able to. I don't know. I'm still. I'm happy. I'm excited that I'm still funny, or I think I am. That I'm still. Able to, I, I don't know. I I like, I don't know. I just like who I am, and I'm excited about the rest of my life. And and that's a huge deal. You know? yeah. I mean, that sentence right there sure. is a very huge deal. And most yeah. people, a lot of people, cannot say that with sincerity. I guess not. And that's a fucking enormous. Well, I wouldn't be able to just say it years ago, probably. Right. You know. So yeah, I am excited about who I am <laughs> about the rest of my life. That's you know, good. I I have not married. I plan. I'd like to get married again. And be in love again and and uh you know and there's no uh, reason you won't be you know exactly there is no reason but before i would have thought oh it's never gonna happen again you know we just create victim. those exactly we, we, yeah. we create those things in our head because we're yeah. afraid like the possibility of rejection is so yeah. painful yeah. that it's easier just to like knock all the pieces on the floor and go well, i'm not gonna play this anymore it's never gonna happen it's like right, but you right, don't right. know that you're just yeah. trying to control the future with a false narrative to protect yourself, yeah. but you're hurting yourself. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're you're not allowing yourself to enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. I just I, I'm 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 happy for you, and oh, as someone you. that I always <laughs> greatly enjoyed running into, as yeah. we've run into each other many times over yeah. the years, you've always been so kind. And even in 2001, you <laughs> let me taggle. I followed you around Aspen like a puppy because I was just so enamored of, you know, your comedy prowess and, you know, you're this this big SNL guy and you're talking to me, you know, like it was it was it was really fun. And and that to me says so much about your character and who you are that uh, that I'm glad that you I'm glad I'm sorry that you had to travel the path that you did. But I'm so happy for you that you're now in this place and ready mm-hmm. to you know continue on with the with the rest of your life yeah me too and thank you for acknowledging that that means a lot do are you uh You're much more uh spiritual no i don't know <laughs> metaphysical 
Maybe metaphysical. metaphysical? Maybe, maybe just, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, more of a metaphysical person than I anticipated. Is it, uh, <laughs> are, are you, uh, is there anything you're, you're pitching or anything you want to make? Oh, what I want to make? I don't know. Well, there's a show that I might be doing in the fall. Well, I'm not supposed to talk about that, though. Oh, okay. Well, it's All right, not, well, there's a thing. There's, there's a, thing. a thing. Yeah. That, yeah, there's a thing. And, uh, but the, the, yeah, there's that thing. I think it's going to happen. Um, it's never, I don't know. It's, I'm, it's I'm, never over, though. I think. No, it's not over. I, I, it's never over. You're lying in yeah, bed of with a debilitating injury. Sure. And you must feel like the world has completely crumbled around you. And like yeah. you said, I'm going to be this guy forever. And right. the fact is. But I'm not that. I, I'm not you made debilitating. Exactly. I went through that. Yeah. And now. And that now and that was are. the toughest part of my life. I'm. That's what I think. I mean, if there's anything that's going to be tough, I doubt. It'll be as tough as that. I mean, it might be emotionally. I don't know what's going to happen, but that was something that really makes you strong, you know, and stronger, and it makes you want to live life, you know. So, whether I wanted to get through it, or go through it, or experience it or not, you know, I did, and it's it has, uh, you know, I've come out the other end feeling good. So, well, I'm glad, and I and I don't think that uh, I don't think the final chapter of your story is going to be, oh, that guy. Yeah, I no, really, I don't. I really, I really not, no, I don't think so either. No, I mean, I know it won't be. You know, I did think that years ago, but you know, you know, don't believe the hype about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I mean, don't when like no. when you're in the when you're in those in, moments in those moments when you're in yeah. the dark moments. Don't you don't right. You can choose to not believe that stuff, even though it feels real. You can choose to not believe yeah. that stuff. That's true, and everybody should know that that or have those dark times. Well, thank you yeah. for being here, Chris Catan. And you thank- should do a therapy. Not every show has therapy. <laughs> Is every podcast therapeutical? Some are. Some, some are, are just some like are. more fucking around. Some are more. But, you know, like I, I think the only reason that I felt – like it was okay to talk about this stuff because it's in your book, which right, is right. called Baby, no, don't, I, Baby yes, Don't Hurt Me. Exactly, yeah. Which, of course, is a play on the rock, Night of the Roxbury. Yes. Um, but, uh, but, I, but I also think it's important, again, like I said, for folks to know that – you know, whatever it is that they think they're facing that feels insurmountable, they can get through. And yeah. in as much as you inspire people with your comedy before, now you inspire people with your story, right? On top of um, your, uh, with your comedy, and I and I think that's I think that's that's an important takeaway. So that's why, thank you. You know, like I I I'm always very hesitant to like I don't ever want it to seem like I'm going to get a good story out of it. It's just more right. like I just want to make sure you're okay, and I just yeah. want to make sure that other people feel okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, all. that's great. That's very sweet. Well, thank you, You're thank kind you, Chris Tan, for being here. You are kind uh, as well, I and I blast. hope to see you more socially, and I hope to be able to perform with you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I would love point. that. Of course. Right. The end. Oh, is that it? That was it, I guess. <laughs> we can have a less formal ending. No, that's fine. We can, we could sort was of. Was that just, a camera or that was a? Phone? No, no, it's it just a recorder. Oh, yeah. It's just a microphone. Yeah, we could sort of do that. Um, you know, we could do we could do the uh, the <laughs> fake chatter when a talk show is going to commercial. Oh, is that? Okay. Yeah, there's no camera anywhere, but oh, we can no. just, you know, like as the camera pulls back and it starts to be, okay, yeah, we'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Loverboy is performing, and uh, where are we at? Okay. Then, like, I don't know. And we're clear. And then, <laughs> yeah, we, exactly, then right. we just, and then we don't talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was the ID10T podcast number 1007 with Chris Catan, and this is Word Salad Rap. Um, what an incredible story of. That he, he just had to live with for so long. And I'm so glad that uh, he shared that story. I'm so glad he talked about it in his book. I'm so glad he talked about it on the podcast because I think there's a couple of key pieces that are excellent takeaways for you uh, and whatever it is that you're going through. Um, number one, 
Uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. If you feel overwhelmed, if you feel like you don't know what to do, if you feel lost, um, we are a communal species. <laughs> we need collaboration. We need help. Sometimes you're that help for other people. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help for yourself. You deserve it. You're worth it. So ask for help if you feel like you need it. Um, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. So please, 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 please do that. Um, and then the other thing is that this, this is this is sort of my one of the things that I took away from the podcast uh, his, with Chris is um, uh, you don't have to be what happens to you. Does that make sense? That it. It's like he was saying, like, I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be the guy that, you know, whatever used to be on SNL and was had a career. And now I was just this guy who was stuck in bed that didn't know what he was going to do with the rest of his life. And then he made the choice not to be the thing that happened to him. It was a thing that happened and he used it to grow and to make him stronger. And that's honestly sometimes the best we can do. And that is a good thing to do. It's an amazing thing to be able to do. And it's a skill set that if you can cultivate, will serve you and, you know, can make you indestructible to a lot of things that happen in the world because you'll just get through it. It's just that, you know, that, that Ryan Holiday book, The Obstacle is the Way. The obstacle becomes the way. Your obstacles become your way forward, but they don't have to define you and you don't have to be them and you don't have to be trapped in that. You, in a, in a lot of instances, obviously not in every instance, but in a lot of instances, you do have the choice to figure out how you're going to perceive that situation, how you're going to use it to move forward and how you're going to use it to strengthen you. Um, and that as a result of it, you won't necessarily be defined by that thing, but by your strength through that thing. And how empowering is that? So, um, you know, I just want you to be able to take care of yourself. You know, I want you to be able to understand that you deserve to practice self-care. Because <laughs> I feel like sometimes people maybe subconsciously do the opposite because they feel like they think that's what they deserve. But you don't deserve that. No one deserves that. And so, uh, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid um, to redefine who you are and, and what, you, what your circumstances are, what you want to, what you want to become and uh, how you're going to use those things. Because you never, I mean, it's like the thing with Chris, you know, who could have known that's what he was going through. And also it teaches you like, hey, maybe just whenever you hear something, you don't have the whole story on it. So maybe reserve judgment until that time, you know, because like with him, it's, you know, if people heard about the DUI or people heard that he was struggling with um, addiction to pain medication or whatever, they might have been like, ah, oh, those actors, they're all the same. They all go down in a fiery flame of... Uh, addiction and blah, blah, blah. And they're all fucked up and they're all, it's like, no, he was dealing with a horrible thing that, I mean, to live with pain that is just a part of his existence. That's just a, it's just the thing that he carries around all the time. You know, it's part of the human struggle. It's part of the human story. You know, we make so many allowances for ourselves and yet so often are quick to judge other people. Like, yeah, you know, I'm different, though, because my circumstances are mine. It's like, no, everyone has circumstances, <laughs> you know? And in his case, 
you know, I'm so glad he told the story because otherwise people might have just written him off because, you know, we get lazy. It's easy to sort information that way. But I'm so glad that he did not, that, that he embraced being this version of himself and not being defined by that thing and sharing the story. And you can share your story too. Sharing your story is also asking for help. That's a version of that too. So again, um, don't be afraid. Uh, you are worth it. You deserve help if you need it. And you will also in turn help others uh, when they need it. And that is a part of our human story. And you are a significant part of that story. So thank you for listening. Uh, I hope these are helpful to you in any way, by the way. I mean, listen, whatever sounds dumb to you or doesn't make sense, just forget about it. Discard it. Throw it away. But if you can take even small little nuggets and that inspires you to talk to other people or share that information or gain some insight in your own life, then great. Um, I, I certainly enjoy, uh, I, I enjoy talking about this stuff. So, uh, thank you for listening if you did. And if you're not, if you did not no, no hard feelings, no judgment, I fully understand. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even hear me say no hard feelings, but just know that I'm feeling that for you. And, uh, thanks. Have a great week and I'll see you in your ears real soon. ID 10 scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop Popcorn. Imagine this. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels. A symphony of just three simple ingredients. Popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist... Dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.